of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 530. Jason Lindgren is with me, and Fortune to Saint Germain is back to answer questions based on the last episode that we just did with him. Uh, before we begin, I'll say a little thing about government uh, because I saw a lot of the responses. What we did doesn't undermine anything I've said. Here's the skinny government. Well, our government in this country where I live is a corporation. Basically, for all intents and purposes, the president is the CEO of that corporation. And so people can say government's fake. They can say anything they like, but corporations do things. So don't be misguided and think just because it's not the government you think it should be or that we were told it was that they are not getting things done. They are getting things done all the time, most of it in an underhanded manner. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And yet another hot and rainless Louisiana morning. And Fortune, how are you? We come to you from the alchemical laboratory at the edge of the world where the battles of time and space are not only fought, but won. (laughs) I feel like I need my timpani drums for that intro. Anyhow, are you ready to go? Shall we rapid fire the questions? Well, let me just say something to everybody out there. Because everybody, I as, as some of you know, we've done in previous broadcasts that I was once a school teacher many years ago before most of you were born. And those of you who were born were probably very young. However, as a school teacher, I just have to let all of you know that I love footnotes and bibliography. So now we go over the old days of school teaching And I was supposed to make the jump to the university level, but I never did. So uh, life took me in a different direction uh, that was guided, of course, by the hand of fate. So I became a doctor with many high-placed patients and friends. And as we talk about things, historical importance in my lifetime, some of these or many of these meetings that I tell you about, I was there. Or I was told of the details by friends and patients who are there. And then we go to something very, very beautiful and unusual. So from the ridiculous to the sublime, it not only could happen, but it did happen. So once upon a time, I asked the universe to give me gifts that some of my teachers had. And I began to be able to see colors and light and, and hear sounds and then ask questions, and hear the sing-song of the angels, and hear the voices of the masters, and read Akashic records. So when we are discussing our uh, little tetzatets here, uh, and uh, I'm being asked questions, I give it to you from experience, I give it to you from uh, having been a teacher, and I hope a scholar, and I'm tuned in at the same time. So I'm pulling things from the Akashic records and ask, and the ethers and asking help from the masters and the angels, which we are all able to do, believe it or not. Now, just a final little star here. The Saint Germain family being a very, very old family in France, we are the only family that is recognized by as Count of France, Comte de France, meaning the kings, and Comte de l'Empire, Count of the Empire, meaning Napoleon. 
No other family is recognized by both regimes. And to give you a little historical background, the revolution, we survived the revolution with ease. The king and his family did not, but we did because we had a bank, we had generals, and we were directors and major shareholders of the French India Company. So we did survive and we grew bigger and stronger after the revolution and continued to do so. Which brings me to my grandfather, who we said was the gray eminence or the eminence grise, a power behind the scenes that you might know his name and you might actually meet him, but you'll never actually know that he is a power broker or a kingmaker behind the scenes. So we talk about through these family connections and my ancestry, I have access to archives and libraries that most people never get access to. So here is how I put all these things together that I can bring to you in each show. It's called Footnotes and Bibliographies. And there you have it. Now, before we go any further, just let me give most of you a warning out there. Not everything is on the net. If you go to the net and look up Frescobaldi, Orsini, Massimo, these are some very, very old families in Italy. The German family, Hanau und Horowitz, which is a very old Prussian family. You'll find little Wikipedia entries, but you will not find, and it will tell you the families exist today, and it may give you one or two members of who these families are but you're not going to find genealogies on the net about them because the families have not provided them, nor do they want you to know who they are. So if you go to the Middle Ages, quite a few years ago, some man who was researching one of the favorite topics on such shows as these, the Illuminati, he wanted to know what certain families were and how far back they went. So we talk about the Massimo family in Rome being the oldest traceable family in the world, back to sometime the eight, nine hundreds. He was researching the Renaissance and the Middle Ages, and he kept coming across a name, Frescobaldi. And this man kept buying up large tracts of land in Italy, becoming the biggest landowner in the Middle Ages. You will look up Frescobaldi on the net today, and you'll find that they are winemakers with a castle in Italy. They won't tell you anything about who the members are or the family tree are, and you're not going to find out anything about them because that's the way they want it. So look as you may. So for those of us that we ask for more information, I will gladly give you the information as you ask for it about what we need to know and about my family, which is also not on the net because it is designed that way. Now, when I am reading to you uh, and answering your questions, we talk about 1789 as the revolution was breaking out, 1812. I am there with you and you are there with me because you're asking a question and I'm seeing it and feeling it and hearing it in many, many different ways to bring you the information that you need. But remember, all of you can do this on your own. The further you grow spiritually, the more open your talents become and the more cultivated and stronger they become. 
All right. So what I love about you, you are encyclopedic in your knowledge. With that, Jason, let's jump in. I think the first he addressed, although we'll lay it down, I think he basically addressed the first portion of question two, but it's all you, Jason. Fortune said the big test was the COVID lockdowns, and if we all just ignored it, that the governments would basically have collapsed. It was the big test for humanity, and the majority failed. Will there be another test with a new variant or the alien invasion, and can the majority turn this around by not giving their power away? Well, ultimately and ideally, it's never too late. So we can, or uh, united we stand, divided we fall. A house divided cannot stand. You can uh, put it in any terms that you want. Yes, that was a golden moment that was offered humanity, meaning in the first weeks, everyone just walked out, opened their businesses, did business, danced and sang and uh, went out to restaurants and just lived their lives. It would have... It, it basically would have toppled the governments because uh, you would have shown them they were powerless and the police would have been powerless. And everyone, almost everyone missed it. I'm not going to indict a whole world, but in order to know where we're going, we have to know what happened and what we did wrong or what we missed. So that was a golden opportunity. I'm not saying that there will not be gold, any more golden opportunities, uh, because there probably will, uh, as the universe operates on perpetual help. So no matter what happens, every moment is a fresh new start, a fresh new moment, and a fresh new universe in itself. Whatever is coming, and there will be many more things coming, it only works if you buy into it. It only works if you believe it. All right, let me jump in for a second here as we go into question two. The first part of this, I believe, was answered by Fortune in his opening soliloquy. Uh, The question is as follows. What did Fortune mean when he talked about the War of 1812? Uh, I think that was pretty, do you guys agree that that was pretty thoroughly addressed in, uh, in Fortune's opening remarks? Absolutely. All right, go ahead, Jason. Pick up the, the latter portion of question two, please. Was he channeling the spirit of someone who was there? What did he mean by this mysterious statement? Is Fortune over 200 years old, or was he recalling a past life? Well, I'm not recalling a past life, and I am not my great-great-great-great-great-uncle. So I am uh, a man of this time, born in this time, uh, and live in this world this time frame as I was assigned to, but uh, there's very little of me that is this time for uh, my heart and my spirit are somewhere else, meaning in a past age. But we, you see, we all are guardians uh, of eternity, and we all have the access to eternity and its records. We just have to look, we have to open our eyes and our minds, We have to surrender to work with the way things are. The path is only difficult for those who want for self. So once you get on the spiritual path and you agree to uh, work with things the way they are, things become much easier and you can cultivate and open up all the talents uh, that you were born with, which are your birthrights. So access to the Akashic Records 
And knowledge from the ether is something that we all have a right to and we all have access to. All right. This next question, Fortune, uh, as it opened up, I thought it was touching on what you and I talked about the other night. But go ahead, Jason, lead in. Are there islands or even continents one could sail to with their loved ones where they could simply live off of the land without amenities and live on a sailboat? live without money, no cost for mooring or port entry. Do such places exist, and are they on common maps? If a family were to sell all of their belongings, it seems that they could have a good life. There are many islands like that, especially in the Caribbean, and you can actually live on them. And there are even some islands that are populated where you can live on the outer edges of those islands very, very comfortably and then be close to civilization if you need to. Um, this is just a little word of, a word of warning to the wise. We are all supposed to live simply so that others may simply live. We are all supposed to live in harmony with the plan. It's when we deviate from uh, our birthrights and the simple... Uh, paradigms of the third dimension that we start getting into trouble. The more complex we make life, the further we move away from the great spirit, the divine God, whatever you choose to call it. Um, because uh, there is no name for it, and then there are a million names for it. But the way we live here, you can do that if you want, but the, the same thing is going into the wilderness, into a ghost town in the Dakotas, um, like the bear movement and going with 500 or 50 people. It can be an island. It can be a desert. It can be someplace uh, even in Alaska in, in a snowy area because ultimately and ideally your heaven is where you make it and choose to find it. So yes, there are such places, but you can do that very close to where you are. There are islands in the South Pacific. There are Hawaiian islands. There are Caribbean islands. Just remember, my friends, simply, the solutions are simply, however, the hardest things, uh, are, uh, the simplest things are most often the hardest to come by. I'd like to insert one of my own questions here, Fortune. Go on. Do you think there are land masses in this world that we know nothing about? Sure. Uh, and they know some of them, and then there are others they don't know. But the ones they do know about, they're not going to tell you. Our realm is greater than you know, not only in size, um, but it's greater than you know in terms of uh, miracles. So you do not have to buy into their definition of the world. The Hebrews call this the Olam HaSheker or the Olam HaSheKarim, the world of lie or the world of lies. Uh, and there is a great truth to that. But you don't have to buy into this. We, we are all here to learn the truth. We are, those, that is your birthright. We are all here to share and care. That is the essence of this world. So if we all cooperated and we did work in one direction, and, and really with all of our hearts and spirit, you could have heaven here on earth in one day, and that is the great secret, uh, which is actually no secret. It's an open secret. And on, then we would get control of the records. 
we would get control of the libraries and we would learn much, much more. This is what I love about you. I'll be sitting here minding my own business and you're one of three people who call me and I'll pick up the phone and you will say, I have the answer for you. But anyhow, go ahead, Jason. Do you think that Aristotle was an Illuminist or a member of the Illuminati? And if so, why? Well, let's go back to what we did uh, in the last episode where I said to you, these are really not conspiracies. They're called deals. People get together and they make deals. Sometimes they do it in a stealth way. Other times they do it openly. Right now, the deals are all in the open. Things are becoming known and they're actually telling you what the deals are. So now they are telling you from the World Bank and the World Economic Forum, this is going to happen whether you like it or not. And they're just rubbing it in your face. Uh, So as we look back to the past and we look back at people like Aristotle and Aristotelian philosophy, uh, Aristotle taught his student philosophy and then Alexander the Great took over the world with what he had learned. Now. Knowledge has always been coveted at the highest realms. So we say Einstein says knowledge is power. Many times at the top, yes, these people are parts of uh, certain groups that want to keep their knowledge and want to have power over others. But there have been so many groups through the ages. We go back to Babylon, and we know Babylon as a corrupt place because it was the world's first metropolis and it did become corrupt with restaurants and nightclubs and all sorts of hijinks uh, that you know people came from. It was the world's first Las Vegas. But before that, it had a great library and, and it was a big city where people for long periods of time did indulge in learning and ethics and many things that we are not told about today. So Aristotle uh, was the preserver of the knowledge of Plato, which uh, Plato was in love with his teacher, Socrates. Another thing you have to remember is that these people were angry at the murder of Socrates, their teacher. So Plato formed the Republic because he did not believe in uh, the demos, because he saw the mob destroy his teacher. So we are coming down towards the teachings of uh, Philip of Macedon's son was uh, Alexander, and he had a very special teacher. Uh, the, the people at the top uh, always seek out the cream of the crop to educate their children. So why uh, that Aristotle would be part of uh, a supreme echelon? Uh, that uh, was available to the highest and uh, the wealthiest and the most prestigious, uh, that is no surprise to any of us. Antimony was called the savior of the world by Basil Valentine in the 16th century. Does it stand up to these claims? All right. Too simple for most of the people who listen to this program. Uh, We're looking for God too far too high up and too far away. We look for the divine spark. There have been great avatars in every generation. As we have said in past episodes, we look at Padre Pio, who was a Christ master. We look at Jesus, who was the Christ master. 
We call it Krishna consciousness. We call it the Bodhi mind, the Messiah, meaning uh, the Mahdi. These are all terms for avatar status, people who have reached the Christ, who have the power to heal by touch and thought because they have cultivated their spirit and they have done it by a desire to be good. Uh, Pythagoras was one. Zoroaster was another Christ master. Uh, Alicia and Elijah, uh, they have all raised the dead. Lord Buddha uh, and worked miracles. So uh, just remember that in every generation, there are Christ teachers. And uh, there's, there's no problem with most of the time they're not recognized and they're not going to be recognized just as they are not today. Last time I looked, which was quite a few years back, there were eight. I started out, there were five Christ masters, which you would call avatars on the planet. Then a few years later, there were eight. I was able to pinpoint some of them and where they were. Um, around 2000 or 2005, one of those was a woman in the Andes. She operated through the Christian philosophy, and she was the most advanced soul on the planet that had incarnated here into a human body. So uh, this is no surprise. But look to yourselves and inside your own hearts, because every man is the Messiah. There is nobody coming to save the world. Everyone is here to help those that are truly teachers, but they cannot save the world. You have to save yourself. All right. This next question, and I'm very interested to hear what Fortune's going to say, but it's going to butt up against many of the things Jason and I have covered. One of those things being Jim Morrison working to degrade culture in the young generation at the time, while his father uh, worked to degrade at the governmental and country level. Uh, and this has to do with the Vietnam War. Go ahead, Jason. What were the primary goals of the Vietnam War, both in the United States and worldwide? What was the real reason? The Golden Triangle was Pol Pot set up by Kissinger. Oil and drugs. There were those Kennedy did not want to get involved there. We came in to help the French in that area of the world that couldn't finish the job on their own. Now, this is a little bit tricky, so I have to watch how much information I give out here. There are networks, uh, as we remember, a long time ago in the late 1700s when the British went to China and opened it up to world trade. There, there was the opium trade, which we call the China trade. It's a code word. The Forbes family of Boston, John Kerry is from that family, and the Delanos and other families in the United States were into the China trade just as they were in England, which made them very rich. When the communists came to power in China, they had abolished um, drug trafficking, and uh, they, they did it through brute force. So when we come into uh, the uh, French area of influence in that world, meaning Vietnam, the French colonies, you have to understand we're living in an age where things look cleaner. Wars are still about plunder, conquest of territory, and taking of resources. 
and and robbing of art treasures and whatever else the people that are there can take. The communists were no bargain in themselves. Uh, they were a competing philosophy. And Pol Pot, many of these people started out in the same place. So if you look at Mao Zedong and you look at Chiang Kai-shek, most of you don't remember, which I remember, that their wives were sisters. They were mortal enemies and their wives were sisters because before those wars broke out, the father had placed the five, I think there were five daughters in very strategic families. And we take a look at Vietnam and uh, there were all sorts of many nefarious things and chicanery in there. And yes, Jim Morrison's father was one of the people uh, staging uh, the false flag of the Gulf of Tonkin. And sometimes these people are so corrupt that their children, sometimes they hand their children over to the devil to follow in their footsteps. And other times uh, they, their children become so corrupt just by following them in example. So when you go into a corporation, and these people think they're great, so you go into a corporation and you meet some man who is a cutthroat businessman, he doesn't say to himself, I'm a scumbag, so I'm going to hire people different than I am. The man who built the corporation says, I think I'm great. And then he hires people who are like him, who are basically sleaze bags or sleaze, you know, um, sleaze balls, as you call them in English. So it's no surprise that many times the children, sometimes they get handed over to the devil because the father thinks he's great. And other times, the children just see it happening at home, and that's what they learn. No surprise to all of this. Would you say it was also for enriching and empowering the military-industrial complex of the United States? Uh, yes, because as we said last time, when Johnson took over the presidency, Johnson was CIA, FBI, and military all rolled into one. Everybody's palms were nicely greased. The budget, everybody got everything they wanted, CIA, FBI, and um, military. Uh, and as I said in the last one, Johnson and J. Edgar Hoover live next door to each other. And J. Edgar Hoover is the godfather to at least one of Johnson's children, maybe both. But I know he's the godfather to one of Johnson's daughters. I've always kind of felt that one of the purposes of Vietnam was to demoralize America. They were the white knight, the savior of the world in World War II. You know, in some ways, a lot of the world and the people who lived in America felt like, you know, they couldn't be beat and here for the first time. Uh, and you still see it in, in television shows and stuff today. Um, you know, we lost the war or, you know, they make an issue of it. And so I would just mention that. I don't know if you agree with that fortune, but it feels to me like part of it was to demoralize America so that it didn't think itself as great as it once was. Well, let me throw something in here. When you get a peep behind the curtain, Thomas Jefferson said that he really got a kick out of seeing what was written in the newspapers of the time and that people actually believed that was what was really happening behind the scenes. So, of course, in any age, there are backroom deals and there are things that go on behind the scenes. And Jefferson being the president and they're at the convention, you know, there, there's one truth. And then uh, there's, there's the, what you read in the newspapers. And then there's what really happens behind the scenes. 
So we go to Mark Twain, who said, uh, anyone who does not read the newspapers is uninformed, and anyone who does is misinformed. So now, what am I saying? We go to Richard Nixon, a reminder that he was the vice president eight years under Eisenhower. He ran for president and lost against Kennedy, uh, which was a fixed election that was rigged in Chicago uh, by the dailies and uh, organized crime. And then before that, Richard Nixon was a very powerful senator from California. So he was one of the original swamp creatures. He knew the ins and outs of Washington where everyone, all the bodies were buried, where all the chicanery was going on. So when he became president, he knew that we had to get the country out of Vietnam. And the war it was profitable. All war is profitable. There were many people who wanted to keep it going because they were making money off of it. And that's another thing that angered the powers that be around Nixon, that he wanted to pull us out of Vietnam. And, and he did. And remember, um, where John Kennedy said the CIA must go, I'm going to smash it into a thousand pieces. Kennedy didn't exactly know how to go about it. So he made his thing, he made his intentions known, which is one of the things that did him in. However, um, Nixon actually knew the ins and outs and actually had more of a chance of actually doing it, which is why he was more of a threat. And Nixon's fatality there, which did him in, was that he, he made known that the CIA has to be dismantled which I said in another episode before the, before this one that we are recording, that Carter said the same thing. The CIA has to be dismantled. How do you explain the presence of jaw-dropping mammoth cathedrals, state houses, castles, domes, bridges, that the mainstream narrative says were all built after the Civil War with horses, carts, and pulleys? Uh, we know that the Roman Colosseum was built the same way, and they had a lot of manual labor. And people forget how long much of this actually took. And uh, there were systems that they had. Uh, if you can, you can actually go to some channels on uh, YouTube and the net where they show you uh, how, the, how many of these things were actually built. The pyramids is a different question, okay? Pyramids does not rank in what we're talking about. But these things were built. So when you see... Um, many of the things at the Chicago and other expositions, many of these buildings were built with spit and sealing wax and stucco, plaster, and, and mesh wire. They, they were actually not built to stand, and they were put up in makeshift ways. It's no, okay, let's do it this way. Rather than looking for a conspiracy, look for a deal or stupidity or both. The most expensive house ever built in New York City was the Clark Mansion, which was in the 70s on Fifth Avenue. The largest house ever built in New York City was um, Mrs. Vanderbilt's mansion, where Bergdorf Goodman is today. That mansion, Mrs. Vanderbilt's mansion, only stood 43 years and was demolished in 1927 uh, because it became too commercial. If you look at the great, great buildings of the private homes that were built on Fifth Avenue, 
Many of these families, the minute their parents died, sold the homes for the money and allowed apartment buildings to be built on their site. They weren't interested in them. They were white elephants. The Colosseum, as you talk about, remember they had a lot of slave labor and they also had skilled artisans that were paid. So the fact that these things were built um, on the backs of very, very heavy labor and uh, they were more advanced than you actually think they were in those ages because they did have systems of levers and pulleys that allowed them to move these bricks uh, and things uh, that were um, that you would think were insurmountable in this era. But we know through systems of physics and building like Archimedes of Syracuse and other architects of the time that it's really not hidden history. It's really not an empire that people uh, erased. They're just buildings that were built. And something else that you forget with the great cathedrals and some other buildings in Europe, these were built over hundreds of years. Buckingham Palace took over 200 years to be what it is now in its form. They kept adding on and building and resurfacing and and I know a lot of people are into the conspiracy mode, but it just doesn't exist here. You know, I, I would add a thing. My eyes were opened because I, I didn't have any idea how high some of the technology and just not how high it was, but how in step with nature. Go look up uh, Victorian era technologies. It's really quite astonishing. But Jason, we've really got to put the pedal to the metal. Um, we're going to have a hard time getting through all these questions. Check out Woody and EOR's videos. It explains a lot of that stuff. And I agree completely with Fortune. People are really hung up on the fact that there's a conspiracy there where there is not. Well, part of the problem is some of the elements that they look at, there absolutely is something there uh, of interest that has not been truthfully portrayed. But unfortunately, it gets pushed along. But anyhow, let's let's move here, Jason. It seems that politics and entertainment have been entwined for a very long time. The characters in scheming within Commedia dell'arte, and especially the concept of masks, appear to have more than a casual relationship with politics. Given the historical relationship of Commedia dell'arte with Greek plays, and more recent connections I have seen between the characters and the Sephirot, could it be that our world leaders are only playing a part? Where America was once referred to as Colombia, could that be a tongue-in-cheek reference to peace through the character Columbina? Some of the people that you see at the forefront are manipulated puppets, or they are just agents of someone else behind the scenes. Now, let us remember that when any king comes to or emperor comes to the throne, he has to contend with the military bankers, a priestly class or a church, and an aristocracy. You just don't come to the throne and say, I'm in control now. Everyone's going to do what I do. You walk around and tweak people's noses. Caligula was murdered for that. He only lasted uh, a few years. You have to balance power. There are always forces behind the throne. They're not conspiracies. Just like today, the army is there. The president has to contend with an army. If the army put you in, they could help take you out. Some of the people that you do see at the forefront do actually have power. 
Lyndon B. Johnson actually had power, as I said, because he was one and the same as the machine. He was all three rolled into one. And as you got into it after Ronald Reagan, um, the people that came about successively, the the business of Bush Clinton, Bush Clinton, uh, anyone who didn't see what was going on was just closing his eyes willingly and being so blind because he refused to see. Uh, these people were the machine. They were one and the same as the machine. They came from deep down in the machine, and they were the machine. So it depends on who you are asking me about. The Tsar of Russia did have power, but as much power as he said he, as much power as he did have, he was the richest man that ever lived up until that time in the history of the world. But he had made statements to the people around him that the hidden hand or the secret power was too strong and it was too late for him. It was too late for us and our regime. And you see what happened to the Tsar. So you would have to ask me a more individual question about a specific person um, and who and what they were. King Henry VIII, he had control of everything. But he was also uh, a demon where he went around tweaking some everyone's noses. And people who did what he did usually wound up with a pillow over their head while they slept or a knife in their back by one of their ministers or their brothers or sons. The people closest to you are the ones that do you in. But that's the way it's always been. It's not just only organized crime. It's royal families. It's, it's the people around you in politics. And uh, sometimes they do kill you, and other times they're able to depose you and disgrace you. Uh, the ways in which it's done are numerous. The next one, Jason, is interesting. I actually was just looking. I was considering actually getting it and reading it because I'm not familiar, but I always enjoy people who base their research on things being cyclical. Anyhow, go ahead. Nick Howe writes about the fourth turning or a rebirth. I assume we will need an updated or new constitution. What would Fortune do to make sure that we adapt if he would be in the forming, I guess, of a new constitution at the ground floor? And how should the legal system be organized or could we do without a legal system? Fortune, the way this is written is kind of messed up, but I think what they're saying is uh, the idea of the fourth turning is that there's cyclical things that go about. And then there's a destruction, I think, at the end of each. The fourth turning, I think, is things destroyed or whatever. The idea here is, you know, maybe we would get a new constitution when all this has crumbled to the ground. I think the main question here for you is if you were sitting in a room where there would make a new constitution, what would you think would be important? And by the way, what kind of a legal system or could we do without one? Okay, now let's do this. This is going to be a little complicated. So these books have been around for a great part of the 20th century in terms like that. Toffler, I think it was the third or the fourth wave, the fourth turning, Brave New World, the Huxley brothers, Aldous Huxley, the writer, and his brother, Sir Julian Huxley. They came from the Fabian socialists. Every time there have been powers at the top, and they always have, People have had agendas, and many times, uh, depending on the integrity of the ruler or the people, 
the agendas were different of what was good for the people at the bottom. The Romans knew that they had to buy the people off with bread and circuses to keep them from looking at the government, which is where we are today, bread and circuses. Apathy and ignorance are the, are the two main traits of our culture, which means we are dying. All of these things we talked about in the last one, The Rise and Fall of Empires by Sir John Baggett Glubb, Alexander Teitler, uh, Thomas Macaulay, The Signs of Birth of an Empire, Birth of Democracy, and Death of Democracy, and what Everything has a time to be born, a time to thrive, and a time to die. Uh, synthesis, let's see, um, it was Hegel, and it was thesis, antithesis, and, and synthesis. So we go into this, and we look at what is happening. This is a time of uh, decline and dying, uh, our society is corrupt at many, if not all, levels. There will always be something new to take its place. Now, uh, when we talk about spiritually, as well as talking to you about history, I try to give you things spiritually that you can do so that you can strengthen yourself. The armor of God, as the Christians call it. Uh, the immovable moment, as the Buddha called it. Anchoring yourself through your root chakra in the moment. Since we are all here to share and care, we are all here to learn the truth, um, and it should be done in joy, and the angels and masters prefer that it is done that way, but of course how we do it is up to us because we have free will. The only thing you need in this dimension is love God with all your heart, serve selflessly, and be all you can be. And let me say something to you. Anarchy is a right-wing philosophy. Anarchy means no government at all. But that means you have to have the greatest discipline. Fascism, socialism, and communism are left-wing ideologies. That means heavy or total government. And, and that's no freedom. So in order to have the greatest freedom, we have to be disciplined people. We have to be educated. And that is why we are failing now in all forms of government, because the people have abdicated their responsibility and their right. They want the government to take care of them and give them goodies. We all have to take care of ourselves. And hopefully while we're doing that, we want to take care of the people that are around us. All right. This next question is really quite interesting. Uh, I'm excited to hear how you're going to respond to it, Fortune. People around the world are studying ancient buildings, stones, and artifacts, and realizing that the mainstream narrative about our so-called history is incorrect. But Australia is classified as a newly civilized country, with only a few buildings that date past 300 years. Is the mainstream narrative correct that only indigenous Australians roamed these lands for thousands of years? Or were we under ice for a long period of time? Does Fortune know the true history of Australia? Was it also an experiment? Well, this planet itself is an experimental planet because I think, uh, uh, I think, and I strongly, I'm almost totally convinced, and I think and strongly suspect we are later creations in this universe as physicality. And you are, I think, one of the only, if not the only planet in this galaxy 
that has full range of emotion, meaning total individuality and total range of emotions. And other planets do not have that. Some have no emotions and no individuality, which is why their civilizations are dying, why they need DNA from other civilizations, or they or their DNA is limited to a certain time for the race. So they try to take DNA from other planets to try to infuse themselves with longer life for their civilizations. As we come to this one, uh, you know about Lemuria, and you also know about Atlantis. Lemuria predates and runs into the end of Lemuria predates Lemuria predates Atlantis, and the end of Lemuria runs into the beginning of Atlantis. Lemuria was a very peaceful, heavily spiritual society, whereas the Atlanteans got addicted to physicality and went more towards technology and became more warlike as they forgot the principles of physicality, spirituality in physicality, meaning heaven here on earth such as the Garden of Eden. And there were other civilizations uh, that we forgot called Tool, Hyperborea, Yuga. Most people are unaware of how long man and various forms of man have existed on this planet. So the uh, Aborigines are a very, very old people, just as there are pre-Negroid people um, in Africa, particularly in the South African area. Um, that predated the Negro races that had invaded their territory. Just as when we came here, um, white men came to the United States, they had encountered the Indians. And before the Indians and the um, Indians, like the Incans were there, there were the Mayans, who were the descendants, the good descendants of the Atlanteans that believed in spirituality and that had formed colonies in South America. So when the conquistadors were able to talk to the Incans when they were not destroying them, the Incans said, these are not the cities we built. They were here. We just lived in them because they were built by the Atlanteans, who were the great pyramid builders, who had known about forms of technology that have been forgotten by us, where certain forms of technology and power were free for everybody who wanted them. So the answer is yes, there were other peoples. Uh, the Easter Island statues are remnants of uh, Lemuria and are an old part of Lemuria that still exists. And those statues were erected to be, show you um, parts of their world that existed and as remnants and uh, monuments to the people and friends and relatives that they had lost in the sinking of their civilization. So when you see various um, places built high in the Andes, these were built by pre-Incan, pre-Indian peoples uh, because they knew that those areas of the earth did not move and that they could withstand cataclysms. All right, before I get a thousand emails, Fortune's use of the word planet, just swap it in your mind for plain planet, little plane, dimension, whatever it's got to do. But I'd appreciate if I didn't get a million emails on use of the word planet there. I think at the base of the question we just passed, I think the, the main thrust, why is Australia so different, Fortune? I mean, the animals are different. There are no ancient structures, I guess. Do you have any idea about that? 
Well, we have different continents and we have different places. So to say that the animals are different on Australia, somebody who had lived in Australia for many, many ages would say that the animals in uh, India or in other parts of the world were different to them. We go on different paths depending upon the time and the spirituality that we are in. So just as I have told people that have been listening to this program that the DNA of the Atlanteans was different than your DNA. They were much longer lived because the programming in their DNA was different. Uh, these are really not questions uh, or mysteries. They're, they're just that if you look at somebody or animals in Australia, they're different to you, but you do not understand how different that you look toward the Aborigines or people that had never seen you before. So when the white man landed um, and met the Aztecs and met the Incas, um, two empires that knew nothing of each other, uh, they were very, very strange. When the white man came to Africa, the uh, Negro peoples thought they were gods, just as the Incas and Aztecs did. We are a, pla a plane, or we'll say the little plane or planet, or a realm of many, many, many different ages and different civilizations and different types of people with variations on DNA. There are even people that have analyzed um, our position uh, to uh, what you know as the sun, and uh, they have come to the conclusion that man is not even of this planet, that we were transplanted from other places, let us say, perhaps Lyra, or in other areas where there were other humanoids like us. So uh, we are a very special planet. We are a wild one. We are a raucous one. We are a diverse one. And in many, many ways, we are experimental spiritually and physically. One thing I can say about Australia is there is still a bastion there with some very ancient knowing and comprehension, shall I say, of the truths held in nature. And unfortunately, the holders of that information have been treated shamefully in the past and are being treated shamefully now. We did a couple episodes to include on the so-called Kalahari Bushmen. Seems like extra pressure is being put on aboriginals everywhere because of that close connection and that comprehension of the truths provided by nature. But where are we on the clock, Jason? Do we have time for one more? No, we do not. No, we do not. So anyhow, that's the first hour of uh, episode 530. We have a long, long ways to go in these questions. And uh, as you heard, fortune's willing to go the distance. So probably the second so-called hour, the so-called second hour will probably be much more than a second hour. I hope you guys are enjoying this. One thing about fortune, I talk to him all the time and I'm constantly learning every day that I speak with him. I'm learning and whether it's aspects of history or other things, it's encyclopedic, the information, and it, it seems almost never ending. That's hour one of episode 530. First hour is free to everybody at crow777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W 777radio.com. Members know to log in for the full episode access to forums, comments under each episode, 
and free access to the two-hour film called Shoot the Moon, which has something like 10 awards now covering all my telescope work. And of course, what I think is probably the first filming of the sun we do not see is in the tail end of that. The reason I mention it is that elusive second sun or whatever it might be has been filmed quite a bit recently. With that, we're going to prep up for hour two. Hope to see you logged in for the other half. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers.